0: Praise God. Would you stand and pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. When Jesus taught us to pray, that is the prayer that he used to teach us to pray. We call that the Lord's Prayer. But more technically, it's the disciples' prayer. It's the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples to pray. And interestingly, he initiates the prayer by teaching us to address God as our Father. Fatherhood and the whole concept and the idea of fatherhood originates with God not as an idea, but as an expression of his being. In other words, our God, one being, one God in three persons identified as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And intrinsically, within the being of God is the identity of Father in relationship to the Son within God's being. So in other words, fatherhood is not a concept, it is actually an expression resulting from God Himself as to who He is eternally as Father. Now that's beyond my capacity to fully comprehend or understand, but it says that if if nothing else, that that puts fatherhood on a plane of significance that is of the highest order and it makes fatherhood really important and we talk about happy father's day and how many times do we think then of the ultimate father really the only father in the truest sense of the word and making our life an expression of his pleasure so that he can truly have a happy Father's Day may every day of our life because of our devotion to him through Christ may every day our goal be to have a happy Father's Day for our Heavenly Father and to make it so now why again is fatherhood so significant well It's because inherently fatherhood has significance because we are made in the image of God. And fatherhood is the consequence of God. It's it's an aspect of God in himself that he dares to share the privilege with humans. As a result, fathers have inherent influence there is inherent power and influence in fatherhood. For good or ill, fathers are always going to be an influence. Now I don't want to show of hands, but I'll ask the question: How many in the room who are fathers ever feel frustrated with your efforts to lead your family? How many in the room as fathers ever feel like failures in that endeavor? How many ever do that? Well, let me tell you that you don't need to be frustrated thinking that your life doesn't have influence. Because it does. And it has influence beyond you. And for some of us who've been fathers for quite a long time, and we've had the privilege of seeing our children grow up, we find out just how much influence we had and we didn't even know it. We find out just how much influence we had, and we didn't even know it. But because there is a default influence of fathers, then the challenge would be to not take that influence for granted or take it lightly, take it seriously as one who is accountable to God and use it to be a father like the father in the influence of our children. Many of you have heard me tell the story that probably you've heard me tell it so many times you could tell it yourself but I'm going to tell it again because if there's one person in this room that hadn't heard this story I want you to hear it because it's one of the most powerful examples of the inherent power of fatherhood that transcends even our families that it bears repeating and so not only have you heard it but and you're going to hear it again but you're going to hear it again because I'm going to tell it as long as the Lord leaves me on this earth and I'm able to because I believe that the enemy of our souls is wicked but he's not stupid and I believe that all the maladies of the culture that we're going nuts about and we're listening to everybody talk and make money on TV about because they get our ears or they make money keep in mind all these talking heads in the news aren't there for your best interest they're there for their pocketbook and the more people that watch them, the more money they get, right? It's you follow the money. And, and so that being said, we, we whine and moan about everything. We go nuts about, oh, the politics and whatever. Listen, the key to everything is the dismantlement of the nuclear family. When God established Humanity, the first institution he established at creation was marriage and the family. Everything builds off of that. Everything proceeds from that. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's what the Bible says. And that is the ultimate foundation. So what happens there ultimately trickles out to the entire society. You know, we get, man, they took the prayer out of schools. I'm so mad. I can't stand it. Oh, they took the Ten We took prayer out of the home. That's where it started. How many of us have the Ten Commandments on the wall at home? Don't whine and be a hypocrite about them not being in the public arena and they're not in your home or on your heart. That's where it starts. That's where it ends. That's where the power lies. That's where the power lies. And this story to illustrate is back when I was in Korea a few years ago studying in South Korea, and it was at Kwanglim Methodist Church. And uh, Kwanglim Lim Methodist Church in Seoul is 90,000 members. They have over 1,600 pastors on the staff of that church. And the patriarch of that church is Bishop Sundo Kim. And his son is now the pastor, the lead pastor, and he's like the pastor emeritus. And we were at one of the satellite churches in Seoul where Bishop Kim attends one of their satellite campuses. Incredible facilities. I mean, and just as an example, the the place where we were, the chancel, all of the furniture on the chancel was made of solid alabaster. I mean, I'm just, my head is spinning. So it's Q&A with Bishop Kim. And one of the Americans, who American students ask a question, with that many leaders developed in your church, how do you develop leaders? And, and uh, presumptively, because he's an American, and the instinctive presumptive model of leadership and organization comes from a secular corporate model, where the pastor is a CEO, and everybody has to have a plan and a program, and, and it's all based on a consumer mentality that's at the essence of the intrinsic mentality of our culture in America and the West. And he asked Bishop Kim, What's your leadership development strategy? How do you train and equip your leaders? And this 80-some-year-old pastor says, I've always tried to live a consistent Christian life with my family. Next question. (laughs) It circles around, and Americans are going nuts. He didn't get the question. He doesn't understand it. He's got to have some system, some program. He's got to have a strategy worked out, and it's all put down in paper. I mean, that's the way we do stuff in America, right? And and, and finally, one of the professors says... uh, Bishop Kim, there's maybe some misunderstanding in the interpretation, but revisit the question. He understood the question and he answered it the first time. That's the reason Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, talks about overseers in the church, that the proving ground for that is in the home. And, and, it, and it's not complicated. It's very simple. And by default, by default, in my, in my role as a pastor, all I'm doing is treating this church the same way I treat my family. My, my whole, my, everything I do in leadership and the values that drive it are the exact same values that I bring to my family. It's because... The home is the heart of the the whole deal. So fatherhood, understand, everybody doesn't have to be a father. Not everybody is a father. Jesus wasn't a father. Hello, that's fast company if you're not a father. Jesus wasn't married. There's nothing wrong with being single. There's nothing wrong with not being a parent. Let's get that straight up front. But since it's Father's Day and we're talking to fathers, then that's where we're going. But Understand, if God has given you the opportunity and the ability to be a father, he has allowed you to share in his role and his responsibility and given you that privilege. And it is a high and sacred privilege. Do not take it for granted. Being a husband and a father is your number one role in this life. It's your number-one role and your highest priority and responsibility, and succeeding at that is the most important contribution you make to your generation. That is the essence of what the biblical priorities are for family. And you say, well, I, I don't really know where to go with it. Well, God is the perfect model. You want to know how to be a father? Read the Bible. And look at how God is a father. Look how God behaves. Look how God treats his children. Now, let me, let me share a word with wives here and mothers, wives and mothers. Understand your husband as a father has a really hard job. One of the things I've, I'm not real smart, but I can pick up a few things. And one of the things I've noticed over the years is there is a degree Of instinctiveness to motherhood like we've all heard of the mama bear syndrome right where's that come from nobody had a class in that she kind of knew how to do it right well the last thing instinctive with fatherhood ends at conception (laughs) that's reality Fatherhood is not something that fathers are born with the capacity and the skill for that. It is learned and intentional and by the grace of God accomplished. And wives understand, mothers understand that men are intimidated by women. First time I ever... I, I remember vividly observing this in Promise Keepers. Usually the most reluctant people in the church to sing or to get up and do something are the men. Women usually get up and do it. Went to Promise Keepers. There's 60,000 guys in the stadium. They're all filing out. And they're going through tunnels and going, you know, to mass transit and different places. And all of a sudden, some guy just starts singing on his own. Oh, Lord, my God. And then... 60,000 join in at the top of their lungs singing and the echoing it's beautiful echoing off the walls those same people you could not put a gun to their head on Sunday morning and get them to sing <laughs> and and the difference is there were no women around and Wives and mothers, you have the power to control the self-worth and the self-image of your husbands and fathers. That is in your hands. They are fragile commodities, trust me. Very fra- Oh, they put on a big show, but that's all smoke and mirrors. Now, Fatherhood starts with God. It's a great privilege. Secondly, let's look at a couple of scriptures to indicate the second reality. In Matthew three sixteen and 17, read it with me. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, "'This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased.'" And then, in John 8, Jesus says this, "'And he who sent me is with me. "'The Father has not left me alone, "'for I always do the things that please him.'" Wow. See, what, what we need to understand, because the ultimate father-child relationship is Jesus, God the Father, and God the Son. And what we need to understand that Jesus' singular goal in life was to please his Father. Nothing mattered to Jesus more than and even except the Father's pleasure. John 5, people are trying to kill Jesus, and he looks at the people trying to kill him, and he says, I always do what I see my Father doing. <laughs> I really don't care what you think of me. I'm really not bothered by you. All that motivates me is what does the Father think of it. And if the whole world is crucifying me and the Father is pleased, I'm happy. Even John 3.16, a very familiar text to many people, this is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whose plan is it? It's the Father who gave his Son. You see, it it, it all even originates. the The whole business of Jesus being the Redeemer is the Father's idea, and it was the Son's absolute, singular desire to carry out the Father's will. Even in the garden, in the night when he was betrayed, what did he pray? Not my will but your will be done. What did he tell us to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy what? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of the Father consumed Jesus. Let me tell you something. You talk about freedom in life, by the grace of God to get to the place where only the pleasure of the Father motivates us ultimately. That even, even if, if everybody else hates us, if the Father is pleased, we're satisfied. I covet that. I envy that. There's a cartoon I ran across that kind of illustrates this point. Um, and little fellow's batting there. Of course, he's the saints, the people behind him are the devils, so I, but it says uh, they're all hollering at him, you stink, you swing like my grandma, you're no good, what a loser, you strike out. And, and you see up his father saying, now remember, son, keep your eye on the ball and swing hard, you'll do great. And one of the guys on the devil's bench says, it's no use, fellas, he only listens to his father. And the scripture that's used to reinforce it is Isaiah 26.3. is a humorous little cartoon but it powerfully validates the way Jesus lived in the value system he operated under and and I want to tell you that if we'll all be honest inside every man or woman is a son or a daughter yearning for a father's approval affection protection and discipline inside of every adult is a son or a daughter aching for those i remember many years ago listening to some commentators on television during one of the presidential elections and one of the commentators remarked about one of the candidates that uh, it was said that the only reason he ran for president is because his late father had that had that dream for his life and that he was trying to to please his father by running for president. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but the principle is certainly valid. You see, when Jesus was baptized, God the Father wasn't ashamed to affirm, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. How many of us ache for an attaboy, an girl, from those who love us the most? from those who are most important in our life how many of us ache for that how many of us ache for discipline when it's needed you know we we have to to illustrate how we've lost the concept again hebrews chapter 12 those whom god loves he what disciplines and discipline's painful for a moment but it in the end produces holiness the idea being that to not discipline children is to hate them. It's, it's, it's a form of child abuse. To let kids do anything they want to do and approve of everything they do, that is, that is a form of child abuse. And, 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 and if parents do that, they are setting their children up for a miserable life. Miserable life. And we, we, we don't understand as we look at the whole counsel of God, at the model of God as Father, and how He treats His children. You know, one of the things that I think that we all need from our earthly parents that we sometimes have a hard time giving if we haven't received it, but the grace of God overcomes that. One time, I remember Pam and I would—we have four grown children—and um, I, I I know it, it. I became convicted that I needed to to reaffirm my children's value to me and to Pam. And so, one of the things that I would routinely do is God just inspired me is that as they would go to bed at night, they'd be laying in bed just about ready to go to sleep, and I'd crack the door open, and I would say, I want you to remember that we thank God, I thank God that he gave you to me as my daughter. I thank God he gave you to me as my son. Don't you ever forget that, and don't you ever wonder if your daddy loved you. Everybody needs to hear that. Everybody needs to hear that. And then, lastly, as our Father in heaven, is an amazing scripture that's reinforced by many other passages, but we won't take the time to read all of them. It's already been mentioned by... uh, Brother Carly and Andrew. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become children of God, to the ones believing in his name. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus did all he did so that he could share his father with you. Some of you have heard me say before, you know, I am an only child. And I never I hear a lot of people are only children say, Oh man, it was awful. Man, I loved it. I mean, why why do you want to compete with anybody? I mean, the whole deal's yours, man. It's supper time, nobody else is fighting for food, right? And I realized later, as an adult, a remarkable insight the Lord gave me. I, I never lacked growing up as a kid. I never lacked for friends. I always enjoyed whatever. But in God's mercy, I was able to avoid peer pressure as a as a teenager, and I, and I was able to not be affected by that. And 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 many 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 times, I had people that I was hanging out with or whatever, and they want to do something, you know. Drugs or alcohol or you know whatever 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 and I'd say forget it pal. Adios and um, and I could care less what they thought of me and and the freedom that that gave I realized later as an adult where that came from. I was more closely bonded to my parents than I was my peers and as a result. I had no fear of being alone. And and that was was a remarkable thing. And, And so what I'm saying is, is that if God is our Father, if through Jesus God becomes our Father, the love that He has for us overrides anything we could ever have Why would we ever be afraid of being abandoned or alone or unprovided for? Because Jesus said, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? Right? I mean, who wouldn't want God as their Father? God would never abandon His children. furthermore, he owns it all. He owns everything. The richest people in the world, where it's Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, they don't know it, but God owns them. And they'll find out when they die. Because guess how much they'll leave? All of it. Our Heavenly Father owns the universe. He's able to provide for His children. Who wouldn't want God as their Father? And Jesus came and suffered and died and rose again so that you could have God as your Father. Now, only Jesus can say, My Father. We say, Our Father. You see, we're adopted. We're not naturally born. That's the reason Jesus said we've got to be born again. We've got to be adopted. He's the only unique, one-of-a-kind Son of God. But He shares His Father with us. I I wouldn't want to share my parents with anybody. I was so tight with them. No, don't get in the way of that. they, They told me we're going to bring somebody else in. I'm going to say, well, let me... Let's talk about this. Not a good idea. But not Jesus. It was the will of the Father, and He wanted you to come in. I I don't know how many people don't know that. Did you see the other day on Jeopardy? I don't know if anybody watches Jeopardy on television. But generally, the people on Jeopardy are pretty smart, aren't they? There was a question the other day on Jeopardy. Did you see this? And the question was a fill-in-the-blank. And it said literally this, Our Father in heaven, blank be thy name not only did they not get the answer, they didn't even guess. It was complete silence. Well, folks, I don't want anybody here leaving not knowing that God can be your Father. And in Christ, you're adopted, and He is your Father and nobody's an orphan, and nobody's got a bad father. We've got the best one possible. God is perfect, and you can't find anything better. Let's stand together. Would you, knowing what Jesus did so that you could pray this prayer, Jesus suffered and died and rose again so that you could say the words and pray this prayer. Pray it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.